you are now listening to the black print podcast stay tuned hey listeners welcome 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 to the black print podcast yo welcome to the black print podcast you know it is already no a in the black no i in the print keep it locked sit down get comfortable because you're now listening to the black print podcast come on peace blessings and wisdom to all the listeners and viewers i'm gassed to introduce to you the black print podcast yo welcome to the black print podcast you ready let's go Yo, what's going on, people? Black Print Podcast back after a little hiatus back with another episode for you lot. Aisha, how are you doing today? Yes, I am good, thank you. It's been a busy weekend, even though only one day was particularly busy, but I'm feeling really tired now on this Sunday. Um, But yeah, it's nice to be kind of out-out now more often, although got to ease ourselves back into it I think there are a lot of people about <laughs> mm. yeah everyone's outside now man the only thing I'm stopping people is really the weather um which I'm sure we'll touch on later on um but uh, yeah as it's just the two of us today we're gonna do do our two-person format where we've picked out a couple of news items well three news items each uh, that have stuck out to us over the past week or so and yeah, just going to have a little discussion about those. If you have any uh, points of view on these items, do let us know in the comments and that. Um, but yeah, why don't you kick us off? Actually, no, I'm going to start because I think, because obviously we know what each other's news items are. I think we can, we can flow this one quite nicely. Actually, no, no, no. You start. I've, just, I've changed my mind. You go first. Okay. Um, So my first kind of highlight of the week is the Olympics. Um, Actually, just as of now, so Team Great Britain have 32 medals, an hour ago it was 31, but um, Max Whitlock has just uh, won, become Olympic champion again um, in the pommel horse final. But um, so yeah, Great Britain have 32 medals, 10 gold, 10 silver, and 12 bronze. But I think I've been particularly impressed kind of with the BMX um, team. Um, not that I follow BMX particularly, but in the Olympics, you learn new things all the time. And um, a few days ago, Bethany Shriver won um, gold um, in the BMX women's um, final race. And this was after funding, after the Rio Olympics for BMX women's was pulled. Um, but we now, Team GB, have four medals in BMX uh, racing and freestyling. So, go on, Team GB. Great Britain. That's my highlight. Yeah, I think at one point uh, during the early stages of the Olympics, it had been one of the best, I think the best start from a Great Britain team at an Olympics ever. So, yeah, in the face of you know, COVID uncertainty and certain sports being cut funding and all that sort of stuff. It's been a it's been a great show in from from Team GB so far. I think we're sixth overall. Yes. Um, in the medal chart, which is um, which is good. Well, I don't know if it's good. I'm not going to lie, because obviously I only look at the top three. I'm thinking if we're not there, 
who <laughs> sick you know classic are. classic great britain just awarding participation awards in it we need to get top three top three man but no yeah it's good man and um yeah i watched the um the bmx it was good did you actually see any of it i saw clips of bethany shriver's race and I think clips of Kai White's race as well. I didn't see the freestyling, which are the two most recent BMX medals we've got in women and men's. But yeah, it's really, um, I don't know, it kind of makes my heart race. So the races are very short and they're on these tiny little bikes and they're going quite fast over these hills. And the way that, oh boy, yeah. Anyway, well done to them. It's more than I could ever do. Yeah, Olympics has a whole load of random sports and like you can get quite engrossed in some of them. I, I think it was uh, the first Olympic Games where skateboarding was an actual event and I watched it. And it was actually, um, it was actually interesting, man. I didn't realise how often they fell over. <laughs> like, I thought these were like, these are obviously the creme de la creme, they're competing for their country on a world stage and you're just dropping regular. Um, but apparently they don't lose points for dropping. They just have like a set time to perform their routine. So obviously if you drop, you then don't have as much time to complete the routine. So that's where the kind of deduction comes in rather than for the drop itself. Yeah, um, I was going to ask if points are lost for that, but you no, know, you've just explained it. Um, mm. And I think another shock for... Great Britain in the Olympics has been um, the rowing team. So that's our, that's a sport in the Great Britain that gets the most funding, I think. So it's usually expected at the Olympics that the team will do quite well. And in the past, historically, they have. But I don't think they've been performing as expected this time round. So, which is a shame. But we are pulling through in other areas, which is good. And I suppose the team are going to have to take stock before... The next Olympics, which I think, where is that? Is it in France? In Paris? Uh, Paris, yeah. Paris, yeah. It'll be interesting to, to see the, if the funds are redistributed based on um, certain sports success at this one. Um, but then I guess there's a lot of considerations due to COVID and all that stuff to take in. So, yeah, all around an interesting, uh, interesting time for Team GB. Very. Um, my my first news item relates to this, so sticking on the subject of the Olympics, fans in the UK at least will definitely be used to seeing the Olympics shown on the BBC first and foremost, um, and pressing a little red button if you want to see some random, you know, archery or I don't even know, like equestrian and all these random stuff, yeah, but. This Olympics, you would have noticed that there's not as many live events being shown. Um, there's only one channel showing them, really, BBC One. Sometimes you get BBC One and BBC Two, well, previous Olympics anyway, but now it's just BBC One, and you get one event on the red button. Um, this is all due to um, prior contracts being signed um, by the International Olympic Committee. Um, who have basically sold the majority of the viewing rights to Discovery, which is an American channel, um, who I think paid 920 mil for the coverage rights. Um, but in that agreement, it was agreed that the BBC would still be able to show certain 
um, events, um, but the number of events that they'll be able to show would be limited to only two live events at any one time, um, which is why the scale and breadth of events is just just not there. And mm. I think that's fed into the general feeling of this Olympics not having the hype around it as it usually does. Like obviously there's a lot of other factors like there being no fans, which obviously has a big effect mm. as well, or just a general hype. But yeah, the BBC haven't been showing as many events. So it's just been a struggle to really get people interested in this Olympics, I think. Um, and that's definitely been the um, the view of my group chats <laughs> who, who are surprised that events are even happening um, because there's just no kind of, well, there's, there's, compared to other years anyway, there's just a significantly reduced um, amount of attention on it. So yeah, that is a, that is why, if you were ever wondering why there's not as many events, it's down to the peas, as it always is. <laughs> Everything roots back to the money. But yeah, that's true because the athletics started, when was it? Yesterday. We've already had a few finals. We had the women's 100 metres. And what other finals? And usually with athletics, and it might be for a mixture of reasons, like with athletics, as those, athletics as those of hype, a, a lot of it for me and what I would see would be around Usain Bolt in the past. Okay, Usain Bolt isn't like running anymore. So we don't have that there. I don't know, who would you say is the new kind of face of athletics? Particularly running um, the track. Yeah, there's not there's not really any in a track to be honest. And on the men's side, on the women's side, you have the Jamaican athletes as per. Yeah. <laughs> um, Probably like Shelley Ann Fraser and Elaine Thompson Hera, I think that's her surname, um, who are smashing the, the sprints. Um, but aside from that, a lot of the kind of old guard who are the real superstars, like your Usain Bolts, your Mo Farahs, that sort of generation yeah. of athletes, they've, a lot of them have moved on now. Um, so yeah, just waiting for the YGs to step up. Um, but you can only really do that if you're putting in like serious numbers, like. Usain was breaking world records and Olympic records every time yeah. a world championship or Olympics came around and like that sort of level of athlete just doesn't exist at the moment so it's hard to scale up to that level of stardom he was really charismatic or is not was he is very charismatic so I think that helps launch him like he's likable loads of people liked him whether or not you are supporting Jamaica like people were supporting Usain Bolt so I think he had that star quality as well which and it might just be because I've not been paying attention. But I haven't noticed since. Well, yeah, like, I feel like with that, it's a little bit of like a chicken and egg type thing because he, he, as you said, like he undoubtedly had that kind of charisma that endeared him to the fans. But at this stage, over the past like two years, there's been no fans. So yeah. people are probably... For you know, forget all of that, like posturing and that on the on the um, starting blocks. I'm just going to focus on yeah. on my performance. So it's yeah, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. Um, but yeah, it's definitely definitely been more muted this Olympics man, across the board. Shame. Because hmm. <laughs> the Euros um, were muted. That's no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. No. And I guess it like that was from a UK perspective, a lot closer to home as in some of the games were actually here, as well as football just all round being 
the most popular yeah. sport in the UK. Is uh, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm plucking that out of thin air. And my <laughs> statistically, it might not be, but I'm gonna go with that assumption. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Um, I feel like because football is a national sport, um, you're always going to get that hype there. Like I'd, in in Jamaica, I'd imagine now that like people are watching tr- the track and field like intently. Yeah. Um, because that's like that's what they're bossy in it. So, um, but yeah, the same just isn't true for this Olympics anyway. We'll see what happens in Paris if is if this is like a a trend of people not being that interested. But I, I don't think it's people not being that interested. Yeah. I think it's, it's people just don't have that access. Unless you want to pay, unless you want to pay six ninety nine for Eurosport coverage, then you're gonna to have to stick to the nine for the entire um, for all of the Olympics, or is it like per month? Like, what is it? How is it broken down? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to access it, then this yeah six ninety nine on Eurosport, or you can pay for a Discovery subscription. Um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you can just stick to the two live events that BBC are, are showing and, you know, get the highlights at 10 or whatever it is. Yeah. It's up to you. <laughs> um, I'll go first for round two then, because it still kind of is on the subject of Olympics. So, um, Simone Biles, mm. the basically standout gymnast in... Um, across the whole sport, really, men and women's, she's just clear of everyone and has been clear of everyone for a long time. <clears throat> um, she pulled out of, I think, the team uh, team floor event, um, site and mental health reasons. Um, and this is obviously not connected, but in the same sphere as Naomi Osaka and her withdrawing from the French Open a few months ago um ben stokes the england cricketer also withdrew um from an england test match i think recently as well um citing mental health uh mental health reasons too um so this uh reasoning is becoming clearly more prevalent in sport um and simone Biles has had an outpouring of, of support of late uh, for her for her decision um, and her reasons. And it started, well, probably not started, but it's kind of continued the conversation about athletes and how they are being supported, not only physically, but mentally as well. Yeah. Um, and I think it's an interesting, interesting conversation to have, really. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on what you thought of the, the recent happenings. Um. I mean, I was just saying I'm supportive because when it comes to mental health, that you can never, you just have, it's what the person says about how they feel, right? And I don't, and I think particularly, so just looking at the Olympics and Simone Biles as an example, like like you said, that she is clear of uh, men and women in the gymnastics field. Um, she has put in that work and that effort for years. She's, I don't know how many medals she's won, but it's a lot. Um, and I mean, people just sometimes just need a break just generally. And I'm glad that we are seeing more athletes kind of stand up and say when they want a break rather than pushing them like to the very edge, um, pushing themselves to the very edge. Because it also sets a tone for others, just not in sports, but just more broadly. 
Um, and I think increasingly we're seeing people prioritize their mental health and it's become more of a conversation. And the more it's a conversation in these spaces, so you see really successful people like Simone Biles say, I'm taking a break or I'm not doing this for my mental health, then the more, um, what's it, like the less stigmatized it becomes um, and more normal. So I just think of like, if taking a sick day, usually when we think of taking sick days at work, wherever you might work, it's usually for something physical. Um, but whereas that could include just needing a day, like a break, for your mental well-being and it doesn't mean that your mental health is drastically bad but we all need breaks right yeah i think in i think it's an interesting debate because in the world of of sport just generally no matter no matter what sport it is i feel like to be to be at that really elite level and to perform at that level consistently you're probably putting pressures on yourself and are being exerted to like the the edge of your of the well the edge of your level basically like that is you're consistently performing at your peak all of the time like you're you're doing every little thing that you can do to get like one hundredth of a second quicker. Yeah. or to sh to to perform a movement that slight bit more precisely that's going to get you a higher score so i feel like i i feel like you have to be almost on the edge of your wits to to really excel and that's like something that a lot of people can cannot relate to because a lot of us aren't in like elite sports people like it's only really elite athletes that experience this sort of thing which probably some will argue that that is the reason why they're paid so much because <clears throat> they're they're constantly on a fine balance between doing something extremely well or getting injured whether that be physical physically or mentally um so it'll be interesting to see how this kind of develops over time because the more the more athletes that um withdraw from tournaments or from trials or whatever it is citing mental health reasons then i feel like that that will have an impact on the performances that we as spectators see regularly because to reach that as i was kind of saying to reach that high level you're gonna have to push yourself beyond like normal limits like normal limits in adverted commas so i feel like there there's there will, there will have to be some sort of acceptance from coaches spectators all of these people that like okay we're not gonna be seeing people consistently break world records and consistently break mm. um olympic records on these sorts of things because we're gonna prioritize the well-being aspect which will mean more breaks which will mean less intense training which will mean all of these sorts of things um so yeah i think it will be it will be interesting next few years to see where where this takes sport mm. but i think what everyone as well can tolerate like the levels that people can tolerate are different from person to person so um i mean someone else it's hard to tell because it's all very individual. I, I agree with what you're saying, but I, I think 
it wouldn't it was not going to be a blanket change in okay we need this amount of breaks or we need to change uh schedules of training and so on it's going to have to be very much tailored to the individual and just giving the individual space to speak up as to when they need to pause or a break because someone might need a pause and someone else might not at that point um but yeah yeah one thing that i'd that i'd add on to that is like Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles, Ben Stokes are all like at the top of their field. Like I think Osaka's maybe number one or two yeah. ranked in the world. Biles is number one by far. Ben Stokes is like yeah. one of the world's best cricketers. Mm -hmm. So like I, it will be interesting to see the reaction when people that aren't number one or number two in their fields are, are doing this. Um, because it will be interesting to see if like the support is there or if, if people are like, oh, just firm it, man. You need to do more to catch up because these people are already there. So all they're going to do is like just take a break and probably come back up there. Whereas all these people are trying to catch those above them. So will it, will it push them to go past their barriers to be like, mm -hmm. yeah, she's taking a little break. Let me go harder kind of thing. Like it'll be interesting to see that re if there's a rebound effect. I also just don't think... Well, I think there are a lot of people that won't be at their level, Simone Biles, Ben Stokes, Naomi, um, Osaka, who they might be feeling the same way, like they could benefit from a break, but because they haven't reached their peak yet, they don't do it. So there could be cases where people feel like they're in a position, okay, I've done enough now. I've been needing a break for my mental health for a long, long time, but I finally feel like I can take it now with little repercussions. So I... And we might not hear about people that are less accomplished taking breaks because they're not in the spotlight as much. But I wouldn't be surprised if the trend, this trend remains at the very elite end of the sport because those people feel like they can afford to do that. Reputation-wise, um, financially, in terms of their physical fitness as well. Yeah, true. Uh, would you like to go next? Yeah, so my second one um, for the past week is back to our favourite topic of COVID. <laughs> um, not really. I hate talking about it, but sometimes it feels like there's nothing else to talk about that creeps into every aspect of life. But um, some, as the drive for vaccinating people in the UK continues, um, they are getting very creative of where they set up vaccination centres. I think particularly as since the 19th of July, you know, outside has basically opened up entirely now. Um, there are still, well, I don't really think there's restrictions, it's more guide, guidance. Um, but so this week, the more peculiar locations where they've had vaccination centres was Fort Park. So people could get the jab <laughs> whilst they were queuing for a ride. Or something to eat, which I think wow. is sufficient because some of those queues in Thorpe Park are, um, they can be mad. So, you know, spend your time wisely, get your first or second dose. And it's also a good way, I guess, to get young people in particular, um, you know, vaccinated. And the other place uh, this past week was Primark in Bristol. They used, uh, I think, eight changing rooms uh, to <laughs> administer vaccines. Um, and Primark, I think, well, particularly the one um, near Marble Arch always has like, long queues outside. But I think um, from reading the reports, this one in Bristol, the queues were for people to also get vaccinated rather than 
get the latest um, bargain fashion. Um, so I'm, I'm quite supportive of that because I think I'm for the vaccination. I know some people are anti-vaxxers, um, but I think the more people we get vaccinated, the sooner we as a population are more protected and hopefully reduced hospitalizations and also just eventually get back to normal. When I say normal for me, all I have in my head is like stress-free travel. Like going on holiday should be relaxing, right? But with all the stuff that you have to now think about, that's not a holiday, fam. You need a holiday yeah. for the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it does seem like a good initiative to basically just make anywhere <clears throat> where a lot of people go mm-hmm. a potential vaccination center. But that thought, the theme park thing is mad, though. I can't lie. Really? Getting a getting a getting a jab while you're in a queue for a ride is mad. Imagine because when you get a a jab in a in a test center that like is established, like a actual hospital or like a, a venue set up, they make you wait like ten or fifteen minutes after you get the jab, just in case anything happens. So you're in a ride for you're in a queue for a mad ride. <laughs> and they just jab you and it's like yeah so go and now now sit on the, <laughs> sit on the but so no. you're all going up the roller coaster <laughs> just, oh my days having a mad side effects and they're like oh boy they were in the queue innit? yeah i think when they say in the queue it so i don't know the last time maybe you went to thought park but a lot of these places have like fast track so maybe it was not if you're physically in the queue but you get the jab somewhere you wait for 10 minutes and then you get to go to like fast track to the ride you were going to queue for or something like that maybe they figured out a way because you raised a good point so even though literally here it says whilst people were queuing it might be more of a virtual queuing system because i'm sure they won't want to yeah could you imagine you go on the ride and then you pass out like because of the jab <laughs> or the ride it could be who knows um yeah that's the yeah. that's the thing people don't know they're thinking raw like are they having this reaction because the the roller coaster was too peak or (laughs) because the Moderna was moving mad. (laughs) Oh gosh, yeah. So get your jabs, people. Mm, Get your jabs in, get your jabs in. Um, My one's related to this. So um, have you heard of Piers Corbyn? Is that a relative of Jeremy Corbyn? I don't actually know. I don't think so. They don't look alike. He's okay. old. That's probably, that no, I'm that is a you. common feature. So Piers Corbyn is like one of the UK's most prominent and well-known anti-vax campaigners. Like he is active when it comes to um, anti-vax. His brother of Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, is he actually his brother? Yeah, yeah. Older brother, does it say? Well, he's 74. I don't know how old Jeremy Corbyn is. It doesn't say, it just says sibling. Okay. Um, But yeah, he is active in the anti-vax space. Um, So yeah, these these two, well, I don't even know if they're pranksters, but one guy called Josh Peters and the other guy called Archie Manners um emailed Piers Corbyn on a pranking thing just like yo we work for uh, uh we're businessmen yeah we want to have a chat with you about um this anti-vax thing that you got going on every day he was like yeah cool come meet me and 
So they met him and they were like, yo, we're going to give you 10K. <laughs> let me rewind. Let me rewind slightly. So he was like, yo, I work for this. Uh, I work for my dad and he has a restaurant business. Yeah. I took over parts of the business. So I run a lot of uh, the restaurants now and we've got chains across the world. Um, and we've also got some shares in AstraZeneca. So we profit when um, AstraZeneca um, get these contracts for uh, vaccination supplies and all of this stuff. He's trying shit, but <laughs> Piers Corbyn was like, mm, yeah, tell me more, tell me more. So he was like, all right, um, we'll give you 10K if you agree to just keep AstraZeneca out of your mouth, yeah, and just say how bad Pfizer and Moderna are because then that will obviously be worthwhile for us because we can we can keep stacking and people want to turn more towards AstraZeneca and not um, Moderna and, and uh, Pfizer and Piercecom is like yeah, yeah man can do that man can do that yeah so then, <laughs> so then they had um they showed him 10 bags in cash yeah in a little brown envelope um and then whilst they got they got one of um the guy's girlfriend to come over and be like oh you're Pierce Corbin I'm a big fan like can I take a picture of you no 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 so while they were doing that one other brother came swapped the bag with the money of another bag with monopoly money in it yeah <laughs> and then when Pierce came back now he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. so let me just write down like what <laughs> I can say what I can say that's like good for AstraZeneca but bad for Pfizer Moderna and they're like yeah 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 it's cool it's cool it's cool so now at the end he was like yeah so where's the, where's the money at where's the money at he's like yeah hey, don't worry don't worry it's in the bag yeah wow <laughs> so they gave it to him in a bag and I'm like right, yeah cool speak to you later you know so all I'm saying is yeah because obviously if you want to take the vaccine if you don't want to take the vaccine these are ultimately decisions for the individual you know? mm -hmm. But if you're listening to these anti-vax brothers, just know that some of their morals are a bit questionable still. Because yeah. these men will have you say, well, these men will have you spun thinking, oh yeah, all the vaccines are bad. And then the next day they'll come and be like, mm, yeah, all the vaccines are bad, but some vaccines are better than the others in it on an animal farm thing. So yeah, man, like don't well, it's not even don't listen to them. It just shows use your brain. Yeah, anyone can be bought. Anyone can be bought. So a lot of the time, someone seems to be standing on their high horse about something and thinks they're holier than thou. Even if it isn't money, like physical cash, a lot of the time it's related to that. There's probably something they are willing to let their moral slide for. So as, um, as it's funny, uh not that's i'm not shocked i'm not shocked by human behavior i mean i'm sure some of his staunch supporters are quite disappointed by this but um he's been quite controversial i think there was something he did uh, last year in relation to this anti-lockdown anti-vax campaign that he's been at the forefront of i think he was distributing a leaflet mm. and where and I, so i can't remember it exactly after research but not just him, but quite a few anti-vaxxers have been like just 
rightly so told about how inappropriate they are because they equate lockdown and vaccines with the holocaust and obviously there is just absolutely no comparison so he distributed a leaflet which i think had some imagery imagery which is highly highly offensive in that sense um and you might have seen some anti-vaxxers at protests wearing a gold star um of david which for those that are familiar with history of world war ii is what um jewish um people were made to wear so they were easily identified as jewish and so what people that are anti-vaxxers are saying is that basically they're being like branded to the same thing which just is wild because there's no no one is forcing them to get the vaccine they're just vexed that other people are getting it um but just leave people to make their own decisions and this isn't the first time that vaccines have been a requirement for lots of things. There's lots of countries you travel to where you have to be vaccinated against certain diseases. Yeah. And if you're not, then don't go. So. Yeah. And even when it comes to this vaccine passports, like I haven't actually heard of a place that is only accepting a vaccine passport. It's like they want either a proof of vaccination or proof of a negative test or proof that you've had covid fairly recently and therefore have some level of immunity it's always all, all, all. it's not like you have to have all three so some people just want stuff to shout about in it otherwise yeah. <laughs> trust um i think those are my three things do you have one more i did yeah um I do have another one and it's related to, so another, I guess, uh, not quite so happy, um, but climate change and the past, so it's not the past week, rather the past few weeks, I think since the beginning of July, um, we have seen some really, really quite devastating, um, severe climate events. And it's obviously just brought to um, kind of the sub center of attention again, basically the climate change issues are like what we're doing about it are we on basically a path of no return in summary like nature always in the history of the world and human population nature always comes out on top um mm. it's, it's us that are going to suffer eventually but some of the recent climate events have been a lot of flooding so you may have heard about the floods in belgium and germany uh, two or three weeks ago which were devastating hundreds of people died like the videos and pictures uh, quite shocking that houses are being swept away, roads being swept away. Um, there was also similar floods in parts of China. But I saw one video where uh, the flooding caused holes to form in the ground and one man fell in. And there's another video of them pulling a woman out of a hole. Like you, uh, at first you can't see who they're pulling out because it looks like a waterfall basically like dropping off the edge of a road which has obviously just collapsed and this group of men have a rope and they're pulling um, and you can't see what's coming up because of all the water and then it's a woman tied to the or holding onto the rope because she'd fallen down thank goodness she was still alive um and then yeah flooding we had really severe flooding here in london some of the tube stations got flooded and the train stations same in new york i think it just and i mean there are lots of climate change deniers which will just say it's the weather or whatever but if you, when you look at trends in the history in our relatively short history of the world um on this planet 
you can see they're increasing and these are quite freak events that shouldn't be happening at the frequency they are so yes a somber a somber one that one yeah i think that, um it was recent well scientists can prove and disprove a lot of things but <clears throat> um i saw somewhere that scientists have like basically certified that a lot of the floods that have happened over the last few weeks were directly linked to man-made kind of climate change activities so yeah it just kind of goes to your point now but we need to fix up asap on the climate change thing because it's clearly not just like natural variation of of the weather that's causing this it's it's directly linked to human activity um and us putting all sorts of pollutants into the atmosphere um one of the shocking things i think for for me looking at the coverage of floods in in all of the countries that you mentioned was that a lot of the flooding was like in places that don't usually flood or that aren't known for flooding like in the un some of the pictures of the underground were mad there was a place kind of near my parents house as well that um that flooded and it's just like these aren't like flooding hotspots like you can unfortunately become a bit desensitized to pictures of flooding in pictures of floodings in areas where like they're next to um low river banks or or whatever it may be like they're kind of at risk of flooding generally but in places that's like that are built up <clears throat> and quite industrialized it's weird to see like whole streets and houses underwater and all of these things i had people at work saying that their roofs were caving in flood front rooms flooded and all these things it was like this <laughs> it was mad it was mad so yeah man it's not looking good on the climate front unfortunately no and but this is and i mean i know there's a lot of organizations a lot of scientists a lot of people in the technology world that are working towards and developing technologies we need so we can get you know energy in more efficient ways so you know when we're using that energy we're putting less pollutants into the world but part of me thinks are we moving when you see events like this are we moving quick enough um and the cost of some of these technologies is not going to be accessible like worldwide so how do we make it cost efficient because this is about this is about everyone, right? It can't just be resigned to the, the wealthier countries who, by the way, are most responsible for a lot of what we're seeing. They push out the most uh, pollutants into the atmosphere. So when I hear people talking about, oh, it's overpopulation, like it's population in uh, parts of South Asia or parts of Africa, I'm like, families in those countries, the average families use far, far less energy and emit far less co2 than a family of four do in north america or in europe um but we like to kind of export our issues which just is a standard trend for lots of things but yeah if the western countries need to get their act together first um which will have a significant impact on the overall global picture because as you said they like disproportionately um increase the um the negative impacts on the atmosphere that that 
climate change is 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 causing. Um, the US numbers that come out from the US and and India are actually crazy, like actually crazy. And you see some sometimes like documentaries in some of these countries, and like the you can see you can just see the <laughs> the pollution in the air. Like, <laughs> It's mad. It's so mad. And then it, there was a story recently of um, the continuing deforestation in the Amazon. And I think they was saying that um, recently, recently in the Amazon, um, it's been the first time since like records began that the Amazon cannot um, basically digest the amount of CO2 compared to the oxygen that it releases due to all of the trees wow. and stuff. But because of because of all the deforestation, it now the the scale has now tipped. So now more CO2 is being emitted than can be absorbed. <clears throat> so yeah, it's just a it's that the picture is bleak. It's bleak. And as you said, we're 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 making moves, we're signing two two accords and international agreements and all these things but is it too little too late are they are they ambitious enough um are we making steps quickly enough to make any sort of impact that's gonna that's gonna benefit people what a note to end on hey Mm, a bit of tragedy always lightens (laughs) the mood um but yeah man that's the end of the pod Aisha, thank you for joining and informing the listenership of some of the important things <laughs> in life. Likewise. Um, so yeah, people will be back for another one soon. Keep yourself safe and remember, get your jabs in. Get me get your jabs in. <laughs> uh, we'll leave it there. Peace. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>